0: Get your garlic bread and your mouthwash ready. We are talking about food for thought. I don't get it. (laughs) Garlic bread to eat with the soup and then mouthwash for for afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and
1: the (laughs) perfume.
0: I think jokes are better when you explain (laughs) them to (laughs) to me. Yeah, because then I'm like,
1: what does garlic bread have to do with the episode?
0: To Drinks at the Doll episode 97. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast way station for Lost Girl fans. <laughs> I'm like one sentence in and I'm barely holding it together. I'm your host, Stephanie, and I'm Annie, and I'm Chris. <laughs> and in this episode. We are going to be talking about Food for Thought. And I just wanted to, to start by saying this is not going to be a spoiler-free discussion. We could talk about things that might transpire in subsequent episodes. I doubt, at, at the time of this recording, we're recording this sort of in the in the middle part between the first part of Season 5 and the second part of Season 5. We're not going to probably talk all the way up through Season 5, so don't worry. If you haven't seen season five episodes, but we might mention a plot point that transpires in a subsequent season one episode or something like that. So just beware that this is not fully spoiler free. And then for the for the drink special for this episode, I decided to go with one which is maybe I don't know. I maybe could should have gone with something. A little sexier, because this is a this is a sexy episode, I think. Even though there are no sexy aside sex from scenes, the foot soup. Aside from the foot soup, but there's there's some there's some sexy flirty times in this episode for sure. But I decided to go with a shooter called Buzzard's Breath because we, had <laughs> a, a. <laughs> we have a we have a carry on eating Fay in this episode. We have the Aswang. And I and I thought it would be kind oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. appropriate. And and I haven't tried this one. I'm very curious. I was not, I didn't have any coffee liqueur though. It involves amaretto, peppermint schnapps, and coffee liqueur, which sounds like a strange combination. Wow. So I'm curious if it tastes bad. But I just I just thought that might be sounds appropriate. Very sweet.
2: It does sound sweet. It
0: does, but it's only a shooter, so you just you know knock it back in in one go. So it's not too bad. Can I just start by saying, this is such a good episode, you guys. I was re-watching it, it and is. I was like, this episode is so good. I really like this episode.
1: I rewatched this episode a lot, and not just for obvious reasons.
0: So this is a, a favorite of a lot of people. This is definitely, I think I, I called it my my favorite episode of season one when we talked about it recently, and and that holds true. This is a great episode. It's, it's definitely one of my favorites of season one, if not my very favorite, and I think what I really like about this episode is it disrupts the usual pattern that we'd seen on the show previously. Because mostly on the show, we'd see Bo and Kenzie taking on a case of the week and there was some Dyson thrown in there too. And sometimes there was a little bit of Lauren, but mostly it was focused on Bo and Kenzie and their, and their dynamic and a lot of like Dyson helping them. And in this episode, they mix up who the characters spend most of their time with. So we see primarily Bo and Lauren together, and then we see Kenzie with Dyson and Trick. Also, there's Kenzie in danger. Yes, there's Kenzie in danger, Yeah, which I got to say kind of worried me the first time I saw it. It's like, oh, it's episode six, and they're already putting the best friend in mm-hmm. life-threatening situations. Yeah, the sidekick in danger. Yeah. yeah. But I think it works, and they don't actually do it too often on the show, so I think it, it works out okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And I like how it's the beginning of the dynamics of what have become really good friendships throughout the show
2: mm-hmm. right
1: with Kenzie and Dyson and Kenzie and Trick and finding out about the beginnings of Trick's mystery of being the blood king etc you have all these seeds that are planted not just docubus sexual tension seeds but other seeds
0: well, I think I think we'll talk about kind of Bo and Lauren and their dynamic first, because that's really, I think, the most important piece of the. Well, I shouldn't say the most important, but a really prominent piece of this episode. To, to Annie, it's I the know, most important. To Annie, it's the most important. Yes. To a lot of people who listen to our podcast, I know it's the most important. But it's definitely it, it's it this is the first episode in what I like to call the Lauren trilogy of season one, meaning food for thought arachnophobia and vexed because these episodes i think really establish lauren as a full-fledged potential love interest for Bo because she's been around in the first episodes as sort of this flirty sexual tension type of type of dynamic but she's very much on the sidelines kind of over here but this brings her into the main storyline and we get a lot of interaction between Bo and lauren We'll start by talking about Bo and Lauren and, and starting with that first, very first scene in which Bo is getting ready for her her date, her meeting, her doctor's appointment with Lauren. I'm curious what you both think of that line that she has in that scene where she says, I'm better with multiple orgasm than multiple choice. I always thought it was funny. Chris? Cheesy but amusing. See, it makes me groan every time, but I know a lot of people like that lie. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> just for
1: your, I, I want to hear the reason now. Yeah. I don't know. Just because it's so I I just feel like lame it's, or yeah,
0: it? I don't know. It just doesn't feel natural. I just, I don't know. Because, like, Anna, who says that? <laughs> who says that? Anna Selt does her best with that lie, but it's just, it every time I go, ugh. This is me being like a total nickpicky viewer, but I was I was watching you that scene. Nitpicky? I know, no. I know, and, and I was looking at Kenzie's pizza, and I swear there's a green pepper on that pizza. Even though in the previous episode, she told the the stalker girl, I can't remember her name, but she told Bo's stalkery girl yeah. that uh, she didn't See, like that's something. Green I totally don't. Is that just me? Don't remember now? that because I have not watched that part in a very long time.
1: <laughs> I always like how. Kenzie can see right through Beau's nerves about Lauren, and Bo tries to brush it off, but even though Kenzie is so not Team Lauren at this point and isn't because she has her thing about doctors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I always like uh, the interaction between Bo and Kenzie because she knows what's up. What is it, UST, Unresolved Sexual Tension?
0: Yes. I like the... I don't think they're a real doctor doctor <laughs> so yeah. to mention that.
2: I love that too,' because no kidding, Ken's.
0: no kidding, yeah, no kidding but i and I also kind of think it's weird that Bo is clearly wearing like pants and boots, but a robe up top and i I guess it's just because she hadn't chosen uh, a shirt yet, yeah, but it, that always looks weird, weird to me. see Bo I, I don't covered. know why. <laughs> I guess. I know. No. You'd think she'd just be in her bra, like trying to the clubhouse has up. to
2: be drafty. And it true is Canada. It is. Fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. I feel
1: like especially in season one, you know, I feel like they've added a few layers of green paint with a tiny roller since then. But <laughs> the clubhouse always looks particularly drafty in season one.
0: Yeah, it seems to have the fewest walls in season one. <laughs> So on to Bo and Lauren's kind of date, the doctor's appointments. whatever. Whatever Lauren writes. Yeah. 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 The yeah. doctor's appointment at a bar. <laughs> at a bar. Okay. Are we supposed to not think that's the doll?
1: Yeah, really. That is the
0: doll. I know. Yeah, it, is. it is. It's totally the doll. But the way that they talk about it, and, and Trick isn't behind the bar, I'm like, are they trying to suggest that isn't the doll? Because that's clearly the doll.
1: It's weird because the dialogue makes it seem like they've never been there before. Right. Almost. Yeah. Which is strange.
0: Bo has that line about, you picked a good place. The sexual tension yeah. is, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because that to me suggests they're in a place that they haven't been before. Not necessarily. Clearly the, the you, set is you the You picked doll.
1: the best place for my test in the real world. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But it's a it is a strange line given that they're in the doll.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's it's the lack of Trick behind the bar, because it seems like yeah, which he's is weird. always back there. But maybe they just didn't want him there because they thought it might throw off the dynamic of Bo and Lauren being chatty.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that comes later in Season 3. So many glasses
0: must polish,
1: so, you know.
2: Yeah, it could be that they thought it might be distracting to have another main character there yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily be fully focused on.
1: When the scene is so focused on Bo and Lauren, you don't need Trick back there necessarily at this point. Because he's super shady at this point,
2: too. So it's like, Mm. then you'd be there wondering what it means that he's there overhearing this conversation or something. I don't know.
0: Right. I didn't notice this when I first watched the episode, but on subsequent viewings, it's just so completely obvious how much Lauren is checking out Bo while Bo is talking. Do you think that
1: Bo is (laughs) oblivious to it as she's looking at the other patrons? Mm. You know, because she's looking in a different direction. You know, right? Or that she I don't know. What do you think, Chris?
2: I don't think it's necessarily obliviousness. I think maybe if you're Beau, you're just kind of used to a certain level of that kind of attention, right? Maybe. Yeah,
1: and or maybe she's choosing not to comment on it. You know, because Lauren asks, "Well, what what number am I?" and Beau avoids the question very obviously, and.
0: Well, she avoids the question and yet doesn't. Like, she makes it very clear she knows that Lauren is attracted to her, but doesn't give her a particular number.
2: Maybe she was just waiting for Lauren to, like, flirt in her direction so that she could be flirty in her direction back.
0: But how
1: could it be more obvious she was flirting in her direction when Lauren's giving her elevator sexy eyes? Yeah, and I love this is a fan fiction trope. You don't know how many times I've seen written in Docubus fan fiction where Beau later tells Lauren, "You were a ten, by the way."
0: <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine.
1: It's I've read it like four or five times. I think I've
0: seen or even maybe even read a fan fiction where somebody like continued that date mm-hmm. on after what we see. Yeah,
2: and I'm sitting here now thinking like I'm ninety percent sure I know how those end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they play air hockey. I don't know.
2: <laughs> they go and what? play billiards.
0: <laughs> Doesn't sound sexy. <laughs> but no, I, I just... I swear watching the scene, though, I spend most of the time thinking, Lauren, Bo's eyes are up here. No, up here. <laughs> up here. <laughs> well, see, this is the
1: thing. I mean, when I... It's kind of embarrassing, but it's like, unfortunately, you know, my parents say, you know when your parents walk in when you're watching a show you really like, and the only comment is, wow, that girl's boobs are really big. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's what everybody sees
0: for the first time, so of course Lauren's looking there. My parents don't make those comments.
1: Mine do, unfortunately. Yeah, Lauren's elevator eyes. But, see, you know how Lauren... Later says, Oh, you're able to control yourself really well in the lab now. So now it's time for a test drive in the real world. And I love that little gesture she does with the, but, the little fingers. Go uh, Yeah. 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 With the little fingers. Yeah. I just find that cute and sexy yeah. and flirty. But uh, is am I the only one, again, off scene, and I'm sure someone's written a fan fiction about this, who wanted to see those tests in the lab and to see all that off screen sexual tension build up? And I don't know, in a previous episode, but that's just me. You know, every time she refers to it, I'm like, well, I wanted to see what that would look like. Eh. Yeah. I, I don't feel I I like it's strictly that, necessary. It's not necessary. I just wanted it. But well, that's fair.
0: Annie just wants more Bo and Lauren on the screen do, all the time. I do. And he says, I, I just know, want it. I and then I think by it,
1: Annie means document Doc sex. sex. <laughs> yes. Document <laughs> sex. Take a drink. <laughs> even pre-docubus sex would have been good you know at this point in the series well and
0: i i personally really do like the docubus flirting stuff like that's actually some of my favorite bow and lauren scenes as are the really like flirty scenes and uh, cuz i was just thinking i guess the before now the the we had the the scene in fatal attraction where lauren shows up at the doll and they have the whole thing about make sure you don't drink too much and i'm not a guy alcohol Mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't affect my performance we had that one and then there was a little bit of flirting i guess in when where there's a will there's a fey when they when she when Bo goes for the for the injection to help her with her hunger but but this is this is the most serious it's pretty 40 times overt Mm -hmm. yes and i feel sexually frustrated on lauren's behalf when they don't kiss every time me too at the when they're sitting on the couch and it's so close.
2: Well, because there's like surprisingly sexual hand touching.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. There's very sexy hand touching, and then both hands. nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And they don't oh, even I don't kiss know. in the yeah. entire episode. They, they. That's the closest that they get. Ah. Mm -hmm.
1: But I guess it makes Vexed all the sweeter, I suppose. I don't know, when they finally do. But but again, yeah, I wish I'd seen the build-up more with them in the lab. But I do appreciate this episode, and as you were just saying, Stephanie, of all their flirty interactions beforehand, and the way this series built their relationship at this point, to where they, you know, do have sex in Vexed. I like how that rhymes. (laughs) But... (laughs) You know, I, that's one of the reasons why I like this episode is the, the building tension in their relationship and how they work together on a case and how all of that kind of intermingles together, along with curbing Bo's hunger and everything. So it it just brings a lot of ongoing plot threads together. So And the whole concern that she might hurt her if
0: yeah.
2: she's not super helpful. And, yeah.
0: I, I think, though, part of the reason why I get so frustrated is that I remember to when I watched the episode the first time. I still wasn't sure where the show was going to take Bo's relationship with Lauren. I wasn't sure if that the sexual tension they were putting into the show was just going wasn't going to be anything more than a tease. When we had this episode, and they got so close and then they didn't kiss. I was kind of like, Oh, are you going to do this to me? Show? Are you not going to follow through on this? Cause that drives me crazy. But <laughs> obviously that's, that's not how it ended up ultimately. Clearly they went there a lot no. with, <laughs> with <the Lauren's laughs> relationship. A lot, a lot.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I see, I see what you mean, Stephanie, from, you know, gay viewers point of view, how it's like, you want to see this represented on screen and in a good way and not just have it be a tease or just for the week kind of thing or for ratings or something like that. Or, you know, for one of them to get killed off really quickly or something like that.
0: Because at this point, Zoe Palmer was, wasn't credited in the opening credits yet. She was after the credits. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, is she just going to be around for a little bit? And then they're going to usher her off. So I was still very, uncertain and kind of hesitant about getting too invested in how they were going to portray same-sex relationships on the show. Right, because you'd
2: ordered the DVDs and didn't bother waiting for it to get picked up by a network in the U.S. No,
0: no. So this is me watching the DVDs by myself without a whole lot of context besides the fact that, oh, this sounds like a show that I'd like. Because by the time I started
2: watching it, like news of the first season had spread across the internet, Mm. (laughs) which is where I heard about it. It's like, oh... The internet says the show is interesting. (laughs) And so that's why I watched it when it was on sci fi in the US.
1: So. Oh, okay. It's really interesting to hear your perspectives because you viewed it so much sooner than I did. Yeah. So, whereas I had, you know, hadn't watched seasons one and two and had to do it all in one week.
2: I mean, I didn't know where everything was going, but I knew certain things
0: had happened. Right. So. Right. I think a lot of people started watching the show once they sort of had a thought like, oh, there's, there's a same sex relationship on this show. Okay, cool. You know, maybe I'll go check mm-hmm. this, uh, check this out. But I did not have that. I just knew it sounded like a really awesome successor to Buffy that I thought I might like. So that's all I really knew going into it.
1: Yeah. Whereas I was introduced purely to the show purely through that relationship, which had already been established. And that's why someone said, watch the show, because there's this docubus relationship, a female-female relationship that I think, like, not necessarily just the fantasy angle or that kind of thing.
0: Going back more specifically to this episode, uh, ultimately, I-, I guess I want to say about this the scene at the bar, Lauren looks so cute in the pink cardigan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Lauren's wearing a cardigan. She does. And I like the boots. Although, I have to say the hair porn, straight hair Lauren, I can't believe I'm going to say this, is my least favorite hair porn. I do like later season Lauren.
0: I I like the straighter hair as well. I actually kind of wish they varied her hairstyle a little bit more these days. I I I like a little more variation in hairstyles personally. So I I think her I like her hair in this episode. It's a little Mm. overly straight at the very end when they're in Trick's Lair. They her makeup and hair is slightly different in that scene. Clearly, they filmed it. You know, well, obviously they filmed this. The episode over a series of days, but her hair and makeup are very different in that scene for some reason. But go back to her clothes for just a sec, because she she wears like the the pink sweater and the white shirt. It's it's like very, I don't know, average clothing. It's it's an outfit that I might wear, which I don't say very often when people are on TV. They're often wearing clothes that I like, but I'm like, eh, I don't know that I'd ever wear that just in my day to day life. Then later on, when she she puts on like these horrible trousers, like like. (laughs) Like they're just black, kind of higher-waisted trousers with a blue shirt at the end? tucked in. No, it's like through most of the episode she's wearing this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I feel kind of bad looking for, at the lab coat for so, Zoe Palmer. Yeah. They did not do a very good job with like her professional wear in the first season. She always looks really awkward yeah. and ill-fitting. She has like an ill-fitting uh. garments all the time. It felt like when she was wearing like her professional clothes.
1: Just put her back in the button-up shirt.
0: I like the button-up shirts.
1: (laughs) We miss the button-up shirts, but yeah, now I'm shuddering going back to vexed in the the pants. Yeah, the jungle (laughs) jacket,
0: (laughs) (laughs) the safari jacket.
2: I do. I do like to refer to that as Doctor Lewis's safari garb, (laughs)
0: safari look. Where's the hat?
2: <laughs> the hat would complete the outfit. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> she's been watching and too a monkey much on her shoulder. A, what's his name? Jungle Jeeves. Jungle Jeeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was inspired that day by Jungle Jeeves and picking out her outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh. So they have the, the, Bo and Lauren have the sexy flirty times at the beginning, and then we have that scene in Lauren's lab where I kind of think, Bo, why did you bring Kenzie along? Because clearly, Kenzie is interrupting your sexy flirty game, and why else are you here? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I forget why hypothetically she was there. It was like a follow-up appointment or something. I don't remember. But I kind of think, why did you bring Kenzie along, Bo? Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah
2: maybe with the way kenzie was playing with everything in the lab she was afraid to leave her in their in their place <laughs> like a like a little puppy she just might tear up the tear up the carpet or something that's true i better that's bring true. her where i can keep an eye on her
1: <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe Bo is just trying to get you know how she says to kenzie oh she's not that bad just she's trying, trying to, to,
0: to build a relationship Lauren
1: and kenzie to yeah exactly
0: Backfire. I feel like though we see in in vexed that Bo learned her lesson because she's alone <laughs> yeah. at that appointment with Laura. Of course, after
2: what happened in this episode, how would you even get Kenzie to come with you? <laughs>
0: well, the bad it's thing true. didn't happen to her there. She ate the footstep yeah. at a person's house, but then the, she but spent guess the entire time in the lab,
2: very suspicious of all the the nurses and I doctors know. there. I know. So.
1: You know what though? I mean this just goes to prove the whole point of the episode. Feed Kenzie before you take her anywhere, <laughs> especially on a case.
0: She is like a puppy in that regard.
1: <laughs> like a puppy or small child,
0: yes. You need to bring snacks, yes. some water.
2: <laughs> and clean up after her.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh I guess I guess we should also mention that the the bar scene but where Bo and Lauren are having their initial flirty times is where they establish the whole Bo can read auras and sense how attractive, attracted mm-hmm. people are to each other. And then they sure never, they mention, never that mention that ability it again? again. I mean, I know we've
1: complained <laughs> about this a lot. You know, this is...
0: I don't think they have. <laughs> I really don't think not, they have. Not even explicitly, in the season. Anyway. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Which doesn't make sense with some later plot points, yeah. etc. I'm sure I can't think of them right now, but Yeah. Because they mention, like, Dyson's ability to smell Fae still all the time, but they don't mention Bo's auras, which is like aura readings, which is like, as the main character, you'd think you'd want to, you know, keep mentioning all of her powers.
0: Yeah. And I guess it was one of those instances, because they do this sometimes on, on fantasy shows where they realize, oh suggesting that somebody has that ability makes them too powerful and it ruins our ability to write some interesting stories. But it's still frustrating because you go back and you're like, no, you established this thing. (laughs) And that makes these other things kind of suspect that happen subsequently.
1: Exactly. You know, it is early in the show and that season was filmed out of order and you have things that everybody's still figuring out writing wise and the rhythm of the show. So, you know, that happens sometimes in shows where things tend to get dropped.
2: I maintain that you can kind of do like a little bit of a loophole in that it's supposed to be sexual tension, mostly, right? Or like mm-hmm. attraction rather than like love or whatever. Like, there's Are you saying there's no attraction tr- with tr- love, Chris? No, no, I'm saying that <laughs> <laughs> because the whole thing, I think a lot of the argument about like what about them establishing this power is that later, you know, Dyson gives away his love, but that doesn't mean that he's not still attracted to her. See what I'm saying? Which he is. Mm-hmm. Maybe she didn't necessarily pick up on it because he was still attracted even though he couldn't, love he couldn't her. feel that way about her anymore, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't attracted to her. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making stuff
1: up. But- <laughs> Because we have to, because they dropped it. Uh, No, I'm just saying that,
2: like, theoretically, you could do, like, a little bit of a workaround Mm. with that. No, I totally get it, Chris. things aren't necessarily as uh, inconsistent as they might seem.
1: Within the context of the scene, that theory kind of makes sense, Chris, because she's talking about auras of attraction and a lot of sexual tension as opposed to being in love with someone. You know, it's the terminology they're using, and it's just... You know, she's mainly looking at people hooking up in a bar, not necessarily pack mates or in love. So,
0: I'm trying to keep this spoiler free for season five, so I won't say anything explicitly, but it still doesn't explain why s- some of the stuff that went on in season five. Ugh. But anyway. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I know.
1: I knew you were going to say that.
0: So the. And this. The. The Lauren Saxon. Lauren Saxon? What? What? I. <laughs> Let me we try know that what's on let's, Stephanie's let's, mind. Let me try that again. <laughs> the Bo-Lore Lauren Sexy Times also establish Bo's character arc for this episode. Well, I guess the first scene does too. The the fact that Bo is really working on her ability to control her her chi sucking, her succubus abilities so that she doesn't just kill everybody, you know, particularly humans. And this carries through with the the caper that Bo and Lauren get involved in later in the episode when they they invade barren chemicals to go try to figure out what what has, has made Kenzie sick and I love a good kind of caper type of episode. I love that you're episode. using that
1: word <laughs> sorry I love that you're using that word it's such an old-fashioned word. Well
0: um, I don't know it's what I think of it
1: as.
2: Well but Stephanie and I grew up with Muppets right? Yes. So, great Muppet oh, caper. Okay, great okay. Muppet
1: caper. Well, I think it's when on a previous podcast I used the word put them in the clink or something and you guys laughed at me. So that's what I'm thinking
0: of. The caper. (laughs) It's just like, Andy, you so street. (laughs) What?
1: I am the least street of any person I know. That was the
0: joke. (laughs) Damn it! But as I was rewatching this episode, I was just really admiring how skillfully and economically, they put together the elements of Bowen and Lauren's plan They give you a really clear sense of sort of like, oh, here's sort of the pieces of this. But at the same time, like they don't give you this like eagle eye view of barren chemicals and we're going to do this, this and this, but they make it very clear how they kind of execute their infiltration of the chemical company to make it plausible that they were able to do it.
2: I feel so bad for that scientist woman that gets detained by the police. I know. <laughs> I know. She didn't too.
0: do anything wrong. She didn't do anything. She had neither a bomb nor drugs in her bag. And I know Dyson says she's going to let get me know. let go without charges. Being but detained but still, by the police for a day that woman must have experienced. Still,
1: if I look somewhat like Lauren Lewis, I wouldn't have such a bad... You know, I would think life is pretty good. <laughs> I would deal with a little stress to put up with that. <laughs> anyway... But yeah, I do feel bad with her about her a little bit, but not really because I'm looking at Lauren in the lab coat. But what I do think is funny is that this is back in the early part of the season when it's very focused on the cop side of Dyson. Mm -hmm. You know, when he says, "Oh, somebody at Interpol owes me a favor," and how they interacted with human world, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we don't have that as much on the show necessarily right now. Kind of cool to be reminded of how that used to work and how that
0: tied into the case of the week. That was another element that I really noticed in this episode that I'm like, yeah, I really like that. Because we have both Lauren talking about how the Ash keeps track of all of the human clinical trials to make sure they won't be a problem for the Fae. We also get introduced to the... Funeral home that funnels dead bodies to carrion Faye. and I really like in this episode. Yeah. There's a there's a really strong sense of how the fay world interacts with the human world mm-hmm, while keeping right. itself Good hidden. Good world building stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. And I really like that element of the show. I kind of miss it now in the later seasons that we don't see it very much. Yeah. But Bo and Lauren working together to take on this case of the week to go to go and save Kenzie. I I I like it because I feel like it really it highlights their different yet complementary approaches to tackling problems. Yes.
2: With Bo charging headlong and Lauren saying, hang on, here's a smarter yeah. thing to do. Yeah.
1: Hang back. Hang back. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it highlights their different aspects of their personalities. You know, Bo being very impulsive and I guess you could say street, streetwise, wise. And Lauren always wanting to back off and say, this is the plan. We have to think it out first. And, and how Lauren convinces Bo to use her smarts first, instead of just cheese sucking everybody. I like that aspect, because Lauren used her approach to teach Bo, again, how, the, how to... You know, she used it as a lesson for Bo, so that Bo wouldn't uh, kill everybody. So Bo got to use her abilities in the real world, not to hurt anybody.
0: And I also like, I feel like this episode... Also demonstrates the differences between Dyson and Lauren and their approaches. I, I think they show in this episode Dyson's a little bit more able to execute a plan and be kind of deceptive and not always use his physicality, whereas Bo's more likely to take the more like a physical active approach to things. But we do get in that scene where Bo and Dyson go to confront the motorcycle gang. Like that's kind of where they feel the most comfortable, where they're punching people out. You know, there is kind of this this element of of danger going on, and they're they're really using their physical prowess to kind of deal with a situation.
1: And yet, at the same time, I think it's so interesting how when Dyson he shows his flashes his badge and says, "Does anybody else want to be stupid?" You know, and he again he never uses. We don't see that side of him a lot anymore. You know, we li- we see him using his physicality more, and his wolf more, but he can't really wolf out in the middle of a bunch of humans.
2: I just keep thinking, aren't you supposed to lead yeah, with the badge, yeah. Dyson?
0: <laughs> well, Bo. Well, to be Beau fair, I mean the, the guys were coming yeah. at
2: them with like broken bottles, and so Bo punched somebody. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bo
0: threw the first punch. Dyson was kind of reacting to the other guys. Yeah, this episode really, di- uh, I think, demonstrates some interesting character dynamics and similarities and differences. And and I really like that. Me about too. This episode. And there's so much science in this episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Was that Annie's pervy laugh? Did I, Annie just pervy know. laugh at science?
1: <laughs> yeah, Lauren makes science so sexy. And for you know every kind of use, when she like when Lauren gets rid of the guards and you know locks them in the room and looks so sexy in a gas mask and doing the little you know, injecting thingy and the, yeah, I don't know. Lauren and her science just always looks good.
0: <laughs> and we get a, a really clear sense in this episode that Lauren really doesn't want to hurt people. She's willing to disable people, but she doesn't want to yeah. hurt them. And she cares what happens to them. Because even when she enlists Dyson's help in taking care of the scientists coming to Baron Chemicals, you know, she still is like, what's going to happen to her? Is she going to be okay? Like she, they, they make clear That Lauren really cares about people's fate. She doesn't just want to go around killing people. Hippocratic Oath. Hippocratic Oath and all. It makes sense. But what was nice, too,
2: was she actually also seemed to care about the basilisk. Yes.
1: Yes, that's true. Because she's like, we can't leave it here for them to destroy it. Let's just get, you know, a mercy killing would be better in this case.
0: Though I do kind of wonder, I think we're partially seeing, she's responding out of her sense of people could do something really dangerous with this thing. But I also Mm -hmm. wonder if we're we're not also seeing her loyalty to the Ash in that moment as well, or at least an element of that loyalty to the Ash, thinking, oh, this is not something that that the the Fey world, the Ash, would want to be out in human hands. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's sort of a combination of all those things,
2: because she does, you know, immediately upon seeing it says, oh, that poor thing. (laughs) And then it's, yeah, sort of a
0: combo I feel of obligations, I guess. Because I had kind of forgotten that when Bo first approaches Lauren in this episode to help her go into Barren Chemicals and figure out what's happening, Lauren says, I can't just go doing things without approval from the Ash. I had forgotten that she has that line and she's still under the Ash's control at this point to the to the effect that she doesn't feel like she can act independently without his approval. Right. Well, I mean, they
2: make that a huge deal in the beginning of the first season. She's essentially helping Bo without his knowledge, right. o- ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least she thinks she is. So. Right.
0: Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. he reveals, in fact, that, like, I know what's going on. It's fine. I mm-hmm. wanted you to get close like, to her you're anyway. You're doing that for our benefit, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was also reminded that I think this is the first time we really see her use her necklace Because when she goes to Halima's house and (laughs) and the guy answers the door, she's prominently showing the necklace and says, you know, the ash sent me.
1: Yeah, she flashes it
0: like a badge. They don't make a huge deal out of it, which I like. But I remember the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, that means something to the Fae, Mm -hmm. the fact that she wears that necklace. Yeah, because we don't know the true knowledge of it
1: until two episodes later that it's a symbol of slavery.
0: Slash protection. (laughs) Slash don't eat me. (laughs) Yeah. But we,
1: it is interesting that even though Lauren's got her sense of obligation and how, as you said, she doesn't want to hurt people and she has her own way of doing things. I think she still finds a sense of freedom or just being out of her element, as she says, and being with Bo, because after she puts down the guard, she's like, I am officially out of my element. And then they high five. That is so
0: sweet. I love that high five moment.
1: Me too. And it's just, it's so great. I think Lauren has her first taste of, you know, freedom with Bo and all that bro brings her will eventually bring her through her relationship with her going, wow, this is what it's like to do something. And, you know, even though she is doing it out of obligation for the ass, she's, you know, as she says, officially out of her comfort zone and just to kind of get a taste of what's it like to do something besides just being in the lab all the time.
0: Like you mentioned, Annie, it, the experience at, at Baron Chemicals that leads to sort of the, the conclusion of Bo's story arc for this episode, where she's able to feed off the guard, who I love. I love that guard.
1: <laughs> I <do>. Me too.
0: <laughs> for, for a small role, I think that that actor, he does a good job. Honey, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> And no, but, and and I love Bo's reaction. Like, oh shit! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like literally, shit. Exactly. It's like, oh shit, <laughs> this is not gonna work. Okay, succubus it is. Because <laughs> I guess I, I I'll also say I like how in this episode, even though Bo's like attractiveness and her sexuality is something that she uses. In kind of an offensive, strategic way for a good chunk of this episode. We also have. As an asset. As an asset. There you go. We also have yeah. earlier in the episode where she's confronting things in more of a physical way, kind of, you know, trying to outsmart people. So we see that there's more to Bo than just the fact that she's super attractive within the span of just one episode. So I like that they do try to balance that. Cause that was a big worry that I had yeah. about Lost Girl the fact that it would just be Bo being sexy all the time. And I like that there's more to her character than that. Then
1: just using her sexy wiles to get everything and right. anything she wants. Yeah. Although it is really humorous in this episode when she's trying to get information out of... How do you pronounce the doctor's name? I have no idea. I
0: have
1: no idea.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> n- <He> says, like <laughs>
2: a bow, I would need to tape record <laughs> yes, it.
0: I know. That scene makes me laugh so much. <laughs> Every time. And then she's
1: rolling her eyes... And then she's abruptly—it's oh, five o'clock. Straightens up,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> so. I yeah, I love yeah, eye-rolling. I love
1: the twist on that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the the humor of how Bo, Bo may be using her wiles, but doesn't mean she always enjoys it. So <laughs> it's out of pure necessity. <laughs> but then I love how with the guard with that scene, how the show manages it. You know, it's obviously it's writing in a gay role in a really small role, but a really. You know, little significant role, and yeah, it's funny, but just how the show will just
0: write it in there, and it's no big deal, right? But. Right, and it's no big deal to Bo. It's just like, oh, she says, "Oh shit," it's just, yes. an obstacle, it's an <laughs> obstacle, but it's it's not it's not a big deal that this this guard is gay.
1: Well, it's like later in season three with the couple in therapy. You know, it's not a big deal, but yeah, and and know, that couple just... could
0: have been a straight couple, but exactly. but they chose to write it in as a gay couple or a same sex couple. So that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great.
1: So, and check me out. (laughs) While still smacking the guard's face.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite thing. She's, she's like excited with the guard. She wants the guard to be excited with her (laughs) or something.
1: (laughs) Hey, come on, check me out. (laughs) Smack. I knocked you out successfully. Be excited with me. I had to put on captioning because he was mumbling so much. He's like, I
0: really should be enjoying this.
1: this."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would. Yeah, I'm not entirely (laughs) sure what he says when he's actually on the ground. It's something like, this is really great or something
1: like that. Yeah, yeah. I think think it was something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then poor guy gets knocked out again by Lauren. So (sighs) just not having a good day. Lauren and her
0: favorite weapon, the syringe, the injector pen. (laughs) Yep. And now she can throw them too. Double threat there, with
2: an eighty percent accuracy. <laughs> 82 percent. I thought on a good day.
0: So I guess the Bow and Lauren stuff is is ultimately it leads to that scene and tricks layer toward the end of the episode where they have that moment ugh which always makes me go ugh because what <laughs> well because you so critical no 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 it, it i'm not being critical it makes me go ugh because bo does this like guilty look over at dyson when lauren oh, that part. puts her hands on her shoulder and i wouldn't be like yeah. <sighs> bo <Beau>, uh, bo <Beau." laughs> that's why I. that's why i ugh and then i ugh at dyson when he gets all territorial
1: i know well i get i the fact that the camera focuses the shot, then fo- cuts to Dyson—that's where I go. Oh, but yeah, the guilty look—I haven't really noticed much. But well, that's
0: why it goes over to Dyson. Let's go back and look because she gives <laughs> oh, him. Oh, a- okay. Bo's <laughs> look leads you to the shot of Dyson. <laughs> she <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. She throws a look I over at Dyson like, Lauren. oh, she's being. She's being kind of flirty flirty with me in front of this guy I've been sleeping with. I'm I, okay, fine. Granted, awkward, but y'all aren't dating, Bo. Come on. Anyway, But then they
2: establish the status of their relationship at the end of the episode.
0: That's true. Well, but that actually, that's a good point. And that actually doesn't make all that much sense to me. Because in the previous episode, that was the one that was dead lucky, where they were all, no, we're just sort of having sex for fun. This is just about you healing. And we're not going to make this a thing. And so the fact that she feels like she has to clear it with Dyson at the end of this episode feels a little weird to me. Maybe it's
1: because of her flirty times with Lauren.
0: But I thought they established in the previous episode that Dyson was like, you know, this is this is just a thing, a casual thing. It doesn't have to be a relationship. Well, I don't know.
1: You know, again, they just had to establish it because Dyson was just looking at Lauren and Bo, and Bo was giving Dyson the guilty look, so.
2: I don't know. That's Chris. I guess the thing of it is the entire beginning of season one Like, they keep saying that, but it keeps feeling like neither one of them means it.
1: (laughs) Fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fair.
2: That's true. I mean, it feels that way in the moment, and then I keep wondering if that's why they keep having that discussion, is because neither one of them believes it, obviously. (laughs) So, that's fair. I don't know. That's fair.
1: Sometimes that happens all the time in relationships, anyway. Say one thing, that you mean it, your hormones mean another, and then... You end up having rebound sex or makeup sex or healing sex or whatever kind of sex. So. I feel like I know a lot more about you now, Annie. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was just saying th- hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> sure, hypothetically. <laughs> Shut up, guys.
0: <laughs> but I also was thinking while watching this episode that, you know, Dyson and Lauren have several scenes together. He helps her out with getting the ID from the Baron Chemicals Lady. And while I wouldn't say they seem like great friends, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of tension between the two of them later, or, you know, either. And then we get to the end of this episode here, and then you see immediately that Dyson snaps into this territorial possessive mode, and it sets up the tension between the three of them on the couch in arachnophobia that's going to happen. And it makes me kind of sad because I'm like, y'all were not that bad off, and then it just all I goes know wrong. for several years.
1: Apparently, it's like once Bo comes into the picture, and once Lauren and Bo get flirty, and then oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, just it doesn't seem triangle. like they're
2: friends or anything, no. but they're certainly not antagonistic yeah. the way they are later. There's yeah.
1: an alliance, I suppose. Yeah. She realizes her use. They're professional, and then yeah. it just all goes to hell. Maybe even and colleagues. Yeah, yeah. But now they're. But now we've got Wolf Pants firmly established, so it's all Yay.
0: good. <laughs> they got over it. Yay, Wolf Pants. They're friends they now. They got over it. Yay.
1: And and what I like seeing now is
0: seeing Kenzie and Lauren being so close. Yeah. Well, let's segue to talking about the Kenzie elements of this episode, and and I guess I I want to start by saying that. At this point in season one, I didn't love Kenzie and I didn't love Dyson at this point in the series. So, because so like, here's, here's my relationship with Dyson in season one. I'm liking him in episode one. I'm really, I'm liking him even more in episode two. I think they have a really sweet scene, Bo and Dyson at the end of that episode. I think they're super cute at the beginning of episode three, o Kappa my Kappa, when it's like the morning after. I think they're super cute and I'm liking him fine in episode three and then Trick gets in his head. And it's like, you have to break up with her. And he arranges that thing so that she walks in on him kissing that waitress. And I'm like, oh, Dyson, you are doghouse, doghouse, bad wolf. And And you're on my list now, Dyson. Yes. And he's on my list. (laughs) So Dyson has been in the doghouse for me. Since like the end of episode three at this point in the in the series. I know. I did that on purpose.
1: And it's like, I don't remember of any of this. <laughs> so, And he's like, document
2: sex was not involved in any of these scenes, and I don't care about them at all.
0: And then as far as Kenzie is concerned, like, I don't hate Kenzie, but she's still on the border of like she's funny, but can be Loved kind her. of obnoxious toward the beginning of season one for me. And with this episode. Is very firmly the storyline, you know, involving Kenzie and Dyson and Trick and 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 all this. It very firmly makes me care a lot more and really come to appreciate Kenzie and Dyson. So this is a really, for me personally, like a redemptive storyline for those characters that really wins me over to liking them a whole lot. This
2: episode was the most I liked Dyson in season one. I think. I mean, I. Mm. I also went back and forth on Dyson during the first season, which I think you're supposed to to some extent, right? I think so, too. Because of the relationship with Beau. The status of that kind of affects your fondness level for Dyson, or at least it did with me. But yeah, here he's so, so sweet with Kenzie. Like, as he sort of wraps her up in his arms on the bench in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. It's like,
0: oh, Dyson! (laughs) Mm, What a sweetie! And the other thing that this episode does, which I think is actually illustrated in a particular shot in this episode, which I love. I love when I can go back through an episode and be like, oh, that was a directorly flare right there, I think, where Kenzie, it's in the lab, in Lauren's lab, and Kenzie has already started to show her eye blood. And Dyson is sitting on the bed with her, and she's, she's just asked him, you know, will you stay with me? It's not that I'm scared. It's just I'm bored and you amuse me. And he smiles at her. <laughs> and it goes from this shot of Dyson where the focus shifts to Bo and Lauren in the background. And they're talking about trying to get into Baron Chemicals. And the reason I think that I, I'm pointing out this shot is that in this episode, I feel like they have a purposeful reversal of gender roles. And that the men are much more in the nurturing role in this episode. And the women are the ones who are getting things done, being the action heroes of the episode. And I feel like that shot in particular is pointing in that out purposefully. I could be wrong. It could just be the director was like, "I thought it looked cool." But when I was when I was going back and watching, <laughs> it stood out to me.
1: Huh, that's really
0: cool. I like that. Thank
1: you. Mm-hmm. Good call. Yes. had not thought of it.
0: <laughs> but I like that. I like that we see the more nurturing side of Di- both Dyson and Trick in this episode.
1: I think this is also the most I like Trick in the first season. Yeah. And, and I'm always amazed that he trades something that he said was so valuable, the chain. I can't remember the name of the chain. That he the trades Laker? it for the Abboth horn. That, yeah. That he ends up trading that for someone you would later call lowly human. You know, albeit one that he really forms a bond with. But I'm like, wow, he's so attached to Bo and to Kenzie and... Or at least to Bo, that for Kenzie he would trade something so valuable for her just to try and keep her alive. So I'm always, for whatever reason Trick did that still, I'm always amazed that he does that.
0: But I think you do also have this question of, did he do that solely for Kenzie, or did he also do it because he's trying to ingratiate himself to Bo. He's trying to make sure he earns and keeps Bo's trust. I I think we see a lot of affection from Trick toward Kenzie in this episode, but I I do think very cleverly that's also there as well. This idea that he partly does it because of Bo and he wants to earn Bo's goodwill. Yeah. Keep Bo close. Mm -hmm. But I think Ksenia Solo is super funny when she's trying to, the way she's dealing with the post-foot soup Situation. (laughs) Putting
1: everything in her mouth.
0: (laughs) With all of the mouthwash and toothpaste and she takes up like a perfume bottle. Perfume. <laughs> and I'm really wondering what's in that perfume bottle. Yeah, And then we see her in the scenes at both the funeral home and going to the guy's house that she's got a bottle of something. I'm not sure what she's drinking. And then like a, a some sort of breath freshener that she keeps spraying into her mouth. I think she's very funny <laughs> with all of her post-foot-eating accoutrement.
2: <laughs> in retrospect, it's sort of amazing she's not just like chugging tequila or something
1: (laughs) that's true that's true yeah well she used what she could find on hand at the house i'm sure Uh, maybe there just was no tequila available but when they go to the guy's house when they find the biker you know this is that stage when kenzie's kleptomania is still very much in effect when kenzie when bo's reminding her hey you know we're not here to steal
0: but i do think that kenzie has a really good comeback to when Bo mentions that, and she's like, "Hey, you can't steal from a dead guy. Just ask museums." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, social was a good commentary, K- Kenzie. Way to go!" Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I It's possible when I mentioned earlier that I didn't, I wasn't like in love with Kenzie at this point in the in the series that people were just gasping. And the beginning of this episode kind of demonstrates why Kenzie's sometimes annoyed me. I wasn't fully on board with Kenzie yet. It's the way that. I am very much Lauren, I guess, in my attitude I was going to say, you're a Lauren, so, <laughs> so I can see that. So the fact that she's, like, you know, messing with Lauren's stuff, and she just goes rummaging around this person's yeah. house and eats the cookie that and the foot soup. Like, yeah. I'm just like, Kenzie, you're being a brat. Cut it out. I know. Well,
1: you know, lack of social graces for how she was raised, raising herself, so she doesn't have a lot of filters. But that's what makes her funny at the. That's the other end of it. But what I always... It's interesting, though, because this is at a point in the series where there's a lot of mortal danger from humans, like with the biker, with a gun, and, you know, those kinds of things. Which is interesting to see in earlier seasons versus later seasons where it's more of a fay versus fay powers on display kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So here the human and the fay, world, as you say, are interacting a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I, like, like we mentioned, I kind of miss that. But it's weird. We don't see many guns anymore, or cop stuff, or... Stuff like that.
0: And I think we also get a really good sense in this episode, and partially what I think helps develop Kenzie as a more rounded character in this episode, how scared and isolated and powerless she becomes when she's in that lab all by herself. Hmm. Right.
2: And the fact that she go runs to the cemetery for comfort Which? Why does she find comfort in a cemetery?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's it's got sad implications. Yeah, yeah. What a rough life she's had, and I think we still don't know the whole truth of her stepfather and
0: maybe her dad was everything that happened
1: with her mother. And yeah, that's what I mean. I I know we've speculated about that before, but yeah,
0: yeah. But I think they do a really good job of. Showing Kenzie's disorientation and just her powerlessness when Dyson and Lauren and Beau leave her alone in the lab with the, the rest of the nurses. Because even though I don't think that nurse meant her any ill will, I can I can totally see why she is so afraid. and And I can understand why she feels like, y'all aren't going to take care of me. I'm just a human i'm you know I'm yeah. food to you and and I think before you know we've seen Kenzie move through the Fey world with a certain amount of confidence, which is you know probably just her con person bravado that she's putting on, so I like that we get to see her as a vulnerable human in this Fey world in this episode,
1: well, not right. just vulnerable, but the fact that she's been abandoned by everybody that she has an association with mm-hmm. at this point, right so there's nobody she knows in the lab, nobody that she trusts mm-hmm. so. And given her upbringing and being alone on the streets, and then when everybody abandons her in a really vulnerable place, so that's when she gets really scared.
2: Right. And that whole thing of, you know, if you can't save one of your own, why are you going to try any harder with me? Mm
1: -hmm. And she's not a fan of needles, so. (sighs) Who is? (laughs) Yeah. Who is?
2: Aside from Lauren using them on other people. but Exactly. You know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm.
0: But I think Casenia Solo is, is really great in this episode with both the comedic stuff and the dramatic stuff. And, and I just wanted to, every time Bo has that line to Kenzie when she's in the hospital bed saying, you know, what do you need me to do? And, and Bo says, I could handle this solo. I, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never thought of that.
1: I don't think I have either.
0: I don't think it was written that way purposefully, but I, it makes me laugh. Uh, I put a comma there. And now it will make me laugh, too. In between this and Solo. And thinks she's talking to. Ksenia. Anyway. <laughs> Punctuation. It makes it funny. Punctuation's funny. <laughs> Oxford comma rules! <laughs> I like that you have an opinion on the Oxford comma. But yeah, the, we have the, the Kenzie Dyson dynamic emerging very sweetly in this episode. And then we also see the Kenzie trick dynamic emerging and again i'm trying to feel sorry for her and i do i do feel sorry for kenzie in this episode but then she goes hunting around trick's lair and pulls out his little blood writing kit and i think kenzie you are ill lie down (laughs) stop trying to steal shit (laughs) stop snooping (laughs) it's her nature
1: give her a break
0: but that was the first time we'd seen the blood kit wasn't it the yep. blood riding kit, Mm-hmm. I think so, probably. Yeah. And yeah, there's some really good intrigue r- suggested about Trick with that. And
1: is that the first time we see Trick's lair? His no actual lower lair. Well, because Kenzie, you know, she has that line, "Did I wake up in Narnia?" Yeah, and
0: which is such a great line. I don't know
1: if it's the first time we've actually seen that set. I don't. It might be
0: the first time we've seen that so. set, but he does take Bow into some other room in the doll in episode two when she signs the book because she says something like it's very Tolkien-esque and he says where do you think he got it from when when she comments like about it I don't think it's the first time I always
1: thought that was more of the offshoot room where Lauren and Bo were
0: I mean on the couch
1: on the couch like I always thought that was where Bo where Trick took Beau but it was just the lounge area yeah
0: I don't I don't think so but I you could be right you could be right but, yeah, have but re-watch. I don't know if
1: that room is also part of the lair. Yeah, I don't know, but I think it's one of the times we've seen the lair the yeah, most for sure so far yeah. in the first season.
0: But I, I do like the the, the Narnia line. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. And apparently, Rick Allen played Mister Tumnus in a children's production of
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs>
0: of the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. So appropriate.
2: And he told us that <laughs> when we interviewed him. That's right.
0: That's right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where I heard it from. Rick Allen said it to me.
2: <laughs> oh, also from our interview with Rick Allen,
0: since we already brought it up. Which you can and should listen to if you haven't already. You can find it at com slash Rick Allen. He says
2: something about the, what was the, the Abbath? Abbathorn. He said it's garlic. It looks and sounds to me like it's actually ginger.
0: It might be ginger. It could be he's for, he for forgot which which root it was, but you're right. It does look like ginger. It does look like ginger. Mm-hmm. That's the Abathorn is the the thorn that he gets from his friend that he grates into tea for, for Kenzie. Yeah, his friend played by Julian Richings, who was also a guest star yes. on Orphan Black. He played he played Benjamin. He's one of of Trick's many friends who wanders in for an episode and then we don't see again. But that's okay. <laughs> if you live as long as Trick has. He's got a lot of friends. He's got a lot of those. He's got a lot of friends. But, oh, Kenzie and Dyson also have that really great, I need to have a serious talk with you scene, where Kenzie points out the fact that being with Bo makes Dyson weak, which when I rewatch that, I'm always like, see, see season three Vex, you know, having sex with Bo makes Dyson weak too. It's not just the humans. (laughs)
2: Plus, season three, she was going through the dawning, which they said was making her hungrier.
0: But I don't know. I, and it's not just, it's not just in season three. I feel like in later seasons, it, it's almost like they've forgotten that Dyson had trouble keeping up with Bo's sexual needs in season one, two. It's not just the humans. It's true. But, but that's uh, getting back to the actual scene in this episode. I, I do like that Kenzie has the, that heart to heart with Dyson basically saying, I'm not here. I need you to have her back.
2: Yes, it starts off very Xandery from Buffy. I thought,
0: yeah, I can see
2: that because you know the whole he's like, you know, I I see more than people think I mm-hmm. do because everybody's looking at Bo and oh. nobody's looking at me.
1: Oh, <laughs> and like
2: that's almost exactly the same. Yeah, but, as the, the, the speech one. that Xander has with Zahn, Right? You are totally right. Have superpowers except for seeing things. <laughs>
0: So we should point out Halima. We mentioned her in our in our favorite guest stars episode, the he, who is the the aswang. And we mentioned that we we like the fact that Lost Girl didn't go for like scary human corpse eater creature. It's just it's the sweet old lady who just happens to
1: have a little bit of eye blood and that turns into a lot of eye blood and becomes But a problem,
2: that wasn't but... because she's an aswang or anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was, was just, just a thing a that foot. happened
2: to her, a horrible yeah. horrible thing. And who
0: hasn't had a little eye blood, you know? <laughs> Exactly.
1: I really do have to give her and Cassenia Solo credit for wearing the eye blood for a whole episode.
0: I know, it's like the
2: whole episode Cassennia Solo so is just eye blood going off and,
1: and then it's on her.
2: It's effective and though, right? Like it's yeah, it it's is. horrifying. It is.
1: I love how when the Aswang is saying to Lauren, Yeah, I've eaten everything. Cancer, this, that, no problem. Wow, how useful. <laughs> Halima's kinda great. I
2: kind of love she her. She is. She yeah. is.
0: Yeah. I like her a lot.
2: So much better than the grim version of an Aswang, which is probably more like, actually, in mythology.
0: I wanted to ask you both, the, the, the opening, one of the opening scenes where we see Halima for the first time, where, you know, she's chopping up the meat and making the soup and, and then it cuts to her in bed later that evening and her stomach's all growly. And then she sits up and she screams. Is it just me? I, I don't really see the eye blood in that shot like i the first time i saw the episode i thought why does she scream okay i guess i'll figure it out after the credits but i i didn't get it really in that shot
1: no i've always seen it yeah me too yeah. okay i
0: just for some reason it, it doesn't stand I don't out remember to me. ever
1: not seeing it you were just looking in the wrong
0: spot i guess maybe i just wasn't looking yeah i don't know Oh, and in Life with More Cowbell on Twitter, she sent us a tweet saying that she wanted to mention that Lynn Griffin, who plays Halima in this episode, she apparently is currently in a play. It doesn't say in the in the article what city it's in. I'm guessing it's in Toronto and uh it's called Harper Regan and she's playing the the title character in that play.
2: The website is now Toronto.com. So I'm going to assume Toronto.
0: Good point. Yes. I looked at the top of the page and the bottom of the page, but I didn't look at the URL, so.
2: <laughs> I'm not even I looking really at the article. Old. I'm looking at the link she
0: sent <laughs> See, Chris is the smart one. This is why we keep her around. <laughs> I gotta say, I also really enjoy that scene where Lauren is checking out Halima. Espe- especially, I just, I like how Bo reacts to what Lauren says, because Lauren says to her very evenly, could it be someone you ate? And, <laughs> and <laughs> Beau- <laughs> Beau just gets this look on her face like, my life is weird, my life is weird.
2: <laughs> But see, I kind of like this in the sense that here we've got, you know, Bo who is Faye, who's new to the world and is like, this stuff is super weird. And here we've got Lauren who is a human who fell into this world and is like, eh. Whatever. (laughs) Could it be someone you (laughs) ate? Like, it's the most natural thing in the world to ask. (laughs) Not weird at all. It totally is, Lauren. (laughs) It's weird.
0: I will say, I like how we see later on where Kenzie. I think it's when Kenzie's in Trick's layer. You see that there's like blood all in, on the scrubs, the collar of the scrubs as well. Mm-hmm. I, I I like that. I, it was probably just it happened naturally, like the fake blood got down onto the shirt, but
1: everywhere, yeah.
0: You know, I feel like oftentimes when people have these gaping wounds, sometimes their clothes stay miraculously clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clean, mm-hmm. yeah. But it-
2: That's the thing that always drives me crazy. Whenever they show, like, some miraculously healing wound on mm-hmm. any show ever, like, the blood somehow disappears from their clothes <laughs> yeah. and, like, absorbs back into their body yeah. or something, which makes no sense at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so... You know the beau very often has elaborate hairstyles, and I kind of always assume that Kenzie's the one who did them right, yeah, <laughs> and she starts out the episode that way, there're like the three braids mm-hmm. on either side that anyway, but then she goes to be the secretary she's posing as the secretary at the Baron Chemical and her hair is like super elaborate like more elaborate than usual but kenzie is out of commission by then like how did she get her hair so fancy did she go get her hair
0: done i don't know how do you feel about that hairstyle i don't love it i don't either
1: feel it's i don't love that shirt Along with the hairstyle, everything is very too elaborate. I don't mind the
0: shirt, but I'm not a fan of the hair. I
1: do, but
2: it's it's very like runway or photo spread or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the whole look is, and that doesn't. I don't know. Well,
0: clearly she was trying to dress how she thought sexy is supposed to look like. Like <laughs> I'm trying to appeal to this le- notorious lech, as Lauren leech. calls him. A- not leech. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, leech or oh, lech, sorry. Well, same thing. Wants oh. <laughs> to suck all the women dry.
0: But I-, I like that Lauren describes him as a notorious lech. A- and so she's dressing for this guy and presenting something that she thinks he might find attractive over the top. But especially with the hairstyle, I feel like it's over the top. Because it's crazy. It's super it's crazy super that hairstyle. Super
1: crazy there. Just with the shirt, I just think, "Oh, bo, well, your boobs are going to fall out any second. Lauren could just pull on that tie and they're going to fall the out. The tie doesn't do actually Do not normally feel
0: like anything. Way? <laughs> it's decorative. Anyway. Yeah,
1: I know, but it's just Anyway, it just looks Perilous. Don't and you want Lauren that- to pull on the tie, Annie? I'm confused. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm just like, at least when bows and leather or the boobs or the girls are a little more supported, but uh, yeah, it's just... They're that, not
0: actually know. that exposed here. No. It's a just a very yeah. clingy top. It's it, it's very form. Yeah. It clings to her form. Yeah. They're covered. Anyway, but... They're just, it's... <laughs> but it's kind of like a naked shirt, almost. Yeah. I don't Chris, think she's I just that love boobie. how you're trying
1: to justify hair and make it um, <laughs> while squirrel. Well, who does the hair on Bo? And I'm like, well,
0: I don't know. Apparently you haven't been giving Bo enough credit for doing her own hair. The The way that Bo has her hair early in the episode with the little braids, that is very tiring on your arms to do it yourself. I've done that type of hairstyle on myself, and it my, my arms got tired.
2: It just seems <laughs> like it would be hard to do. Because yeah. there are like six different braids. Yeah. I just hit my headphones and made myself deaf in my laughter <laughs> from my gesturing i should stop gesturing <laughs> while i talk i don't think i can though <laughs> oh i enjoyed that bo called out the the one biker dude for his baseless name calling not call that name calling is ever cool but what does he
1: doesn't yeah, he, i don't remember that part
2: it doesn't he say something like you know whatever whore and then she's like
0: Mouth. And then she's yeah. like,
2: oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, she says
0: like, oh, mouth. There are ladies present. But yeah, I forget yeah. what he actually calls Kenzie or her. I forget. I was just wondering if you remembered. I
2: think it was whore.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Oh.
2: But I'm like, where did you get that from? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: like, not that it's ever called for, but anyway.
0: Any other random thoughts about this episode before we conclude? Annie? No, I think I'm okay. good.
1: Okay. All my sexy thoughts got
0: out. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. The
1: only kind of thoughts, Annie has. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts about food for thought. Your your food for thought thoughts. Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> we will not give you food for your thoughts. Uh, but you can go and leave those food for thought thoughts over on the show notes for this episode at doll dot com slash ninety seven. You can also send us an email to feedback at doll dot com. Or call and leave a voice message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks with the Doll. My name is Stephanie. We're not going to have food.
1: I want cupcakes.
0: <laughs> my name is Annie. And my name is Chris.
2: And Kenzie did not do my hair. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Cheers.
1: Okay, the pussy is now in...